Larry Bird's not walking through that door. We're talking about practice. Not a game, not a game, not a game. We're talking about practice. It's my team. It's my quarterback. A kick. It is. Good. 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 To be the man, you gotta beat the man. The 2 1. Swung lane drive left field. One run is in. Here's Kevin Green. This is the Powers on Sports Podcast. Welcome back to the Powers on Sports Podcast. I'm your host, Jason, down here in Tampa, Florida. Hope your week is going very well. We've got a good episode for you this week. We're going to have a kind of a training camp preview episode. We're going to talk with Mike Neighbors, founder of the Neighbors Media Group, as well as a reporter that covers the New Orleans Saints on a in the Tampa Bay Buccaneers on a daily and regular basis, and also Roy Cummings, who's a longtime beat reporter for the Tampa Bay uh, covers the covered the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, Tampa Bay Lightning, has worked many a year in the Tampa Bay uh, newspaper market, and is now working for the Florida Healthcare News Network uh, and overseeing their uh, editorial department. So. Uh, before we get to Mike and Roy, I wanted, we're gonna have a, which we f- taped this podcast uh, a day or two ago prior to the, the news of Aaron Rodgers reporting to Green Bay Packer training camp. He has ended his quote-unquote holdout. He apparently, he and the Packers have kind of come to an, an arrangement that the third year, he has three years left on his contract. The third year will be voided off of his contract and that the Packers at the end of this year will revisit the option of potentially moving Aaron Rodgers um, as well. So still a two-year contract. The Packers are not obligated to trade him at the end of this year. He will not be a free agent at the end of this year. But from all indications are is that the Packers and Rodgers will work together at the end of the year and to try to either, uh, if they can't uh, solve their differences, We'll try to find an amicable amicable place to move and trade Aaron Rodgers following the 21, 21 season. So no guarantee that has to happen, but that kind of is the is the is the, uh, uh, the 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 writing on the wall of what they of what all the reports have come out of Green Bay saying they think is going to happen. Sounds like Randall Cobb is going to be reacquired by the Packers uh, in a trade to bring Randall Cobb back to Green Bay. So uh, Aaron Rodgers reporting to training camp. I knew all along he was never going to retire. In my opinion, he was never going to retire, and he was not going to sit out uh, games. I thought he might wait a week or two, a couple of weeks into training camp to report, maybe you know two weeks before the regular season o- season opener uh, in New Orleans to report. But he has uh, Packers and he have obviously gotten together and, and have come up with a couple of. Uh, concessions for both sides to uh, be at peace enough for, for Rodgers to report to training camp. Devontae Adams is now back at training camp as well. He had put his contract extension talks on hold with the Packers, obviously waiting to see what the, the resolution of the Aaron Rodgers situation is. So Adams, Rodgers, both in camp for day one here in Green Bay training camp. Other other NFL note I want to get to is Deshaun Watson. Obviously, it sounds like now that the Houston Texans have 
pretty much opened the door and opened the possibility of trading him. Uh, there's still numerous allegations against him. I think 20-plus uh, sexual assault, harassment complaints have been filed against him. There's been no word from the NFL, which we're going to talk a little bit about during the podcast, about the, the Watson situation, but it sounds like the Houston Texans are very open to potentially trading him. There will be teams interested in trading for him. Philadelphia, Miami, Denver potentially are the three teams. Uh, I do think most teams are probably going to wait to hear what the NFL does, if there's a suspension, how long, and all that stuff. But it will be a very hot-button issue no matter where, if he were to get traded because of the allegations involving women, uh, the sexual harassment stuff. So it'll be very interesting to see what team, if, if any, decide to, to package draft picks and or players um, to Houston for the rights to Deshaun Watson. So uh, those are the two kind of big updates. Again, most training camps have started uh, in the last couple of days. Most everybody's reporting. Uh, Hall of Fame game is the first game coming up here. Cowboys-Steelers here in a week or so, week and a half uh, in Canton, Ohio. So you'll have preseason games before you know. Remember, the preseason schedule this year is cut down to three games, not four um, and not five for obviously the Steelers. And the Cowboys down to four for those two teams, but three games for everybody else due to the 17th game. So enjoy our chat with Roy Cummings, Mike Neighbors. You'll get a lot of, we're going to talk about a lot of different topics all around the league. So enjoy the podcast and we'll see you next week. All right. Welcome back to the Powers on Sports podcast. We've got a real treat for you this week. We are going to do a cool training camp preview. And we've got two experts in the field, two guys that have got a ton of experience covering pro teams, college teams, the NFL. We're going to, we're going to bring in two uh, guys, again, with tons of experience covering the New Orleans Saints, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and NFL topics galore. So without further ado, I want to welcome Roy Cummings. Appreciate you joining us, Roy. Thanks for having me, Jason. I appreciate it very much. And Mike Neighbors. Uh, Mike, welcome. I love to be on with you. Good to see you, my friend. Roy, is, Roy has been a beat writer for the Buccaneers for almost two decades. He covered the Buccaneers in the, in the Lightning for a long, long time for the Tampa Tribune before the Tribune went out of business. Roy is, uh, also runs a, uh, is involved with the PewterPirates.com website. And Roy is currently the editorial supervisor for the Florida Healthcare News Network. So. Again, Roy's got tons and tons of uh, background with the Buccaneers and the whole Tampa sports scene. Mike Neighbors is the founder of the Neighbors Media Group. Mike covers the New Orleans Saints. He does pre and post game stuff. He's a former TV sports director in a couple bunch of different markets around the country. We're going to talk about that a little bit. And he's also, also Mike is the creator of the Aaron's series on YouTube, which kind of follows a bunch of New Orleans superstars around kind of a, a very cool if you check it out on youtube and mike's going to tell us about he's got a cool little thing coming out here i think too with drew Brees. so we'll let mike mention that here in just a minute but appreciate you guys joining us all right start off give me a cool training camp story i know you both have covered training camps over the years whether it's college pro and both give me a cool little anecdote of training camp story from each of you we'll start with you roy well, way back in the day, there was a, a big rumor in training camp that uh, Brett Favre was coming to Tampa Bay. And uh, this was back when Favre was uh, just about up with the Packers. He ended up in uh, New, New York uh, with the Jets. 
Um, but there was some talk that he was going to, um, he was going to come to Tampa Bay and there was an afternoon workout. This was the, the, the Bucks were in, uh, uh, tra- having holding training camp at Disney World at the uh, Wide World of Sports Complex. And uh, we were going out for the afternoon practice and it was between the morning practice and the afternoon practice, uh, the afternoon practice starting at about uh, three o'clock in the afternoon. So just when it's just miserably hot. Um, and uh, we had, the story had come out or the news had come out that the Bucks were getting very, we were in fact, the, the news that day was that the Bucks were right on the brink of getting Brett Favre. And um, you really had to be living under a rock to, to not have known it. And so at the time, Jeff Garcia was the Buccaneers uh, top quarterback and had to go out there right at the, uh, and catch him just as he's walking out on the field and try to get a comment uh, for our story. Uh, Cause it was breaking news at the time and we needed a comment from Jeff Garcia. So I, <laughs> as he's walking out on the field, uh, I said, I ran up to Jeff Garcia and said, Jeff, uh, where does Brett Favre's on his way to Tampa Bay? What do you, what do you have to say? He goes, I'm a dead man walking. <laughs> and, just, and he just kept on walking. It was as great a uh, quote as you could have. It, uh, it summed up everything. It was typical Jeff Garcia. He was always uh, quick and great with the media. And uh, thankfully, uh, well, I don't know, thankfully, but the Brett, Favre, Brett Favre never did come to the, to the Bucks. And, uh, but that was a whole other issue. A famous quote, the Bucks were jilted at the altar once again. <laughs> yeah. Been left there many times. <laughs> How about you, Mike? You know, one thing I love covering the Sean Payton era is, you know, you hear a lot of lip service from coaches. Uh, I'm going to play the best guy. I don't care. Whoever made the best man win in training camp. Well, Sean Payton's a man of his word. And the best example of that, I believe it was the 2008 training camp. They drafted Antonio Pittman in the fourth round running back out of Ohio State. You know, Reggie Bush was always on the team was on the team. Deuce McAllister was, was injury prone. So they needed somebody to compliment Reggie Bush. Well, one thing I love about training camp and Roy kind of showed our age because we remember when there were actual two a days yes. in training camp, <laughs> easier now, only one practice pretty much, but two a days back then you would see battles. You'd see a lot of battles, especially early on in the Sean Payton era, because he was trying to reshape that locker room and reshape that depth chart, create more competition. Well, there was a free agent by the name of Pierre Thomas out of Illinois. Yep. who was a stud in the big 10 back then, but wasn't drafted. He was the star of that training camp. He played better than Reggie Bush in that training camp. Antonio Pittman may have been a fourth-round pick, but he was cut because Pierre Thomas, an undrafted free agent out of Illinois, beat him out. And that's why I love covering training camp because you never know who that next Pierre Thomas is going to be. And it seemed like every year under Sean Payton, maybe not to that degree, but you had a Pierre Thomas-like story. So to me – Training camp can get monotonous, especially with two-a-days, so many practices. You can't wait till the preseason games begin. Then you get tired of those. You want the real stuff to begin. But the battles, the unknown guys, the undrafted free agents, that's what I loved about training camp. And Pierre Thomas was the poster boy for that. Yeah, that's what I was going to mention to you. I'm sure you guys mapping out your kind of your schedule, your writing schedule during training camp, you're hoping for some of these kind of kids to pop up out of nowhere to get the coach's attention so all of a sudden you hear through the grapevine, this guy's really a player. We really like him. And, and hopefully he produces in preseason games. I bet that was some of the most fun for you guys is picking out those, those human interest stories. A guy that you knew came from a bad background, a guy that you knew came from some hardship to cover in training camp, whether he made the team or not, just being able to cover him for a day or a week or a couple of weeks probably made you guys really excited. 
there's always somebody like that. Uh, you, you never run short of that story in training camp. The first couple of weeks, you know, there, there's kind of a rhythm to training camp, as Mike uh, alluded to. Uh, you know, the first week, everybody's just excited to be back. Second week, you know, you start getting into pads. Somebody starts stepping out. Uh, stories start to develop. But um, you've always got an opportunity there to tell a story or two about someone who is kind of off the radar. And uh, eventually, someone always kind of emerges as a star in training camp. Uh, what you hope for is that they become a star in real life and that they uh, right. always root for that, you know, that underdog story that uh, the guy making the team. Uh, Pierre Thomas is one of those, you know, perfect examples. But yeah, you root for those for sure. And uh, there's one every year in every camp, somebody who, who kind of steps out like that. Especially now with the salary cap era, the way it is, where the, they're in, from a financial perspective, it's in, it's in the best interest of the team to find two or three of those guys that make it at the expense of a veteran guy because of the salary cap situation, Mike. Yeah, absolutely. I think Roy can attest to this, and, and we all know this, that you know, the worse your football team is, actually the more exciting training camp is because more jobs are available. There's more yeah. battles and is a bigger shot for an undrafted free agent to make the football team. But boy, if you're the Bucks like this season, right? training camp is just, let's keep everybody healthy. Let's right. don't have any injuries. You're battling for the, uh, the third left guard spot. That's the, the battles. Roy Cummings covered a lot of Buccaneer teams where they were, it was wide open mm -hmm. on both sides of the football. Of course, he covered great teams as well. But yeah, with the salary cap, you know, to me, NFL has it right. I watched the recent Major League Baseball All-Star game, and Roy and I are diehard baseball fans. I feel not as smart watching the All-Star game. I don't know who a lot of these guys are. <laughs> right? And I think a part of it is, is they don't have a salary cap. Major League Baseball, you got to wisen up and get a salary cap because – it creates more brand loyalty. Guys are going to stay with teams longer. And I know the NFL, they can't stay too long with the cap, but they stay long enough where you're going to buy their jersey and your son and daughter is going to wear it. That's what the NFL has right. But yeah, with the salary cap and the way the NFL is where you make a couple moves, you got a chance to win. Training camp's kind of like opening day in baseball, man. You have a refreshed feeling. You feel good about you know, a lot of parts of your football team, and then slowly but surely, reality starts to set in for a lot of teams. A question for both of you guys. I know you've both been a part of Super Bowl champions, and at the time of this recording, the Bucks just visited the White House. Did you guys get to go to the White House when you're when the Saints won, and obviously when the Bucks won, Roy and Mike? I did. I, I covered uh, when they went in 09, and I remember uh, we had a credential issue, and we barely got in, man. I didn't think with all the security in the Super Bowl, we got in there, but it was a lot of fun, and uh, Obama was great with the guys, and I remember Roman Harper, who was a, you know, a stalwart safety for the New Orleans Saints for so many years, he had premature gray hair, and he was in the back, and Obama looked at him, he's like, finally, I got a guy who's my age, he plays in the NFL, so, I mean, that was, that was a great experience, I mean, Reggie Bush, uh, we made jokes about there was a Bush in the White House that day, I mean, there were all kinds of fun jokes and fun stories, it was a great experience. I gotta, I'll tell you what, I did not cover the Bucks at the White House uh, after they won the Super Bowl in 2002. And uh, I'm trying to remember if they went. I, I think there was something that happened that kept them from going. Ah. Um, somebody have to refresh my history because uh, I can't remember what it was, but uh, I certainly didn't go and cover that. So if they went, I wasn't assigned to it. Interesting. Well, okay. I remember, though, back when they won the Super Bowl, they had to start on the road the next year. And I know the head coach you were covering wasn't happy about that. 
<laughs> no, he wasn't. A lot of strange things happened to the 2002 Buccaneers after they won the Super Bowl. They didn't quite get the, uh, uh, you know, all, all, all the benefits of uh, having won that championship that a lot of teams get nowadays. All right, let's get to a couple just some training camp philosophy type things I want to hear your opinions on. What is y'all's thoughts on the philosophy of these high draft picked quarterbacks, especially the Zach Wilson's Lawrence, Justin Fields, Mac Jones. What are your thoughts philosophy wise? Should these, should these first round picks, should they start day one as going to training camp as a starter? Or do you think it's a smarter thing to let them earn the job, beat out the veteran? Or do you think it depends on the, the state of the franchise for each, for each franchise? Mike? Well, I think the optimum solution is to have an Alex Smith, Pat Mahomes situation where you learn under a guy, and I don't care how good Pat Mahomes is, I don't think he would have had as easy a transition if he didn't learn under Alex Smith. And, you know, it wasn't a situation like, uh, you know, Rob Johnson and Doug Flutie where there was a lot of animosity there. Alex Smith knew the writing was on the wall, and he helped Patrick Mahomes. I'll say this. I used to work in Jacksonville, and, boy, they can't wait for Trevor Lawrence to hit the field. And I think that's a different situation because, man, they need some kind of positivity in Jacksonville. I don't care if they lose their first eight games. If Trevor Lawrence shows any kind of promise, that's good. But to answer your question, I'm not sure that's great for Trevor Lawrence. I say the optimum situation, you learn under a veteran, you slowly get in there a little bit. But not every franchise is like that, case in point, Jacksonville. Roy, I know you, you've been in a situation where the Buccaneers have had a couple of rookie quarterbacks during the last – 15, eight, Josh Freeman, what was kind of, how did management explain their thinking to you and what are your thoughts? Yeah, it, it, to me, I think it's one of the worst gambles a, a team can make. You invest so much into this quarterback and you expect them to just come in automatically and win for you. The expectations are too great, in my opinion. Uh, the pressure is too great. Too much is put on these young guys. Um, you know, right out of the box, you want them to perform at a high level, at a, at a championship caliber level almost. Uh, and it's seldom if ever happens. I mean, I think when we talk about the greatest quarterbacks of all time, or certainly the best quarterbacks of this era right now, you talk about Tom Brady, Drew Brees, Aaron Rodgers, those types. You know, they all have something, a little something in common. You know, they didn't all start right away. Did. Drew Brees played a little bit more than, than Brady and, uh, and Rodgers, but <clears> – <throat> At the end of the day, those guys had an opportunity to really kind of learn their craft a little bit, uh, sit on the bench, learn, watch other players. And I really think that's the thing you have to do. Um, I don't really understand why teams invest so much in a quarterback and then toss him out there knowing he's going to fail. And then two years down the road, see Mitch Trubisky uh, say, all right, it didn't work. And you're moving on to the next guy. I think it's a, it's just a fool's game. And um, uh, you know what? Most of the teams that do that end up in the same position they were in originally, and they just keep going through the cycle. I mean, it took, what, a dozen quarterbacks before Cleveland finally found one right. that can, you know, at least win games for them. Right. Um, you know, so it, it, it's, it's really – it just – it makes sense to let the kid learn for at least one, if not two, maybe even three years because you're going to benefit from it uh, in the long run. I'll give you the perfect example. You and your, I know you're a Chicago guy, Roy. That's where all the, the, the spotlight is this year is in Chicago. Justin Fields, Andy Dalton. Pressure on Nagy and the general manager to win this year. You got the first-round pick quarterback that they traded up to get. All the talk is, do you start Justin Fields from day one or do you let Andy Dalton start? 
that, that's to me is going to be a huge training camp story as we get into this. Can Justin Fields handle it? The other area that, that the other situation would be Mac Jones and Cam Newton up in New England, two teams that are kind of on the cusp of winning. You stay with the veteran and wait till he fails, or do you give the reins to the young guy? What do you think, Mike? I think Roy makes some great points. I think you hold off uh, at the beginning to save the future because the, it's so hard between the years in the NFL anyway. You lose any kind of confidence, it makes it even tougher. And, and Roy brought up some great points. I mean, Aaron Rodgers and, and Tom Brady didn't play right away. Drew Brees had to learn under Doug Flutie for a little bit and it served them well later. And conversely, if you look at a David Carr type guy right. in Houston, if he would have had more time, how good could he have been? And the list goes on and on. I mean, some guys like Ryan Leaf, they were never ready to kind of be that guy. But you've got a secondary list of a lot of guys who you wonder, man, if they would have had time to sit back and learn. I'm writing a book on Drew Brees. I had a chance to learn under uh, talk with Doug Flutie extensively recently. And he said, you know, he always thought Brees would be great. But he was surprised Brees became a Hall of Famer with the New Orleans Saints. But part of that is being in the same system, having the same head coach, being familiar with the system. And, and if you're familiar with the system as a young quarterback, that's great. But to learn under a veteran and have time to learn that system, that makes a huge difference in a lot of guys, almost every guy, really. And, and the other Jason, you said something a second ago, Jason, you said something a second ago about, you know, the pressure is, is on teams to win now. I, I've never understood that. <laughs> no, nobody's going to take the franchise away. Right. Okay. It's not like you get, you know, dropped to a third division. This is the NFL. Right. Okay. You, you, the fan, you, you might, instead of drawing 85,000 fans, draw 60,000 or even 40,000 uh, if you're really that putrid. Um, but nobody's taking the franchise away. Right. I mean, if you really want to, and, and look, at the end of the day, you go through five, six games, you know, you're two and three, three and three. Everybody's disappointed. Fans start to stay away anyway, especially on a bad weather day. Um, you know, you don't really get anything out of it. Right. And, uh, you know, to me, it's again, I just I just don't I've never understood the logic behind rushing someone in too soon. And here's the other thing, especially nowadays, when most of these quarterbacks in the draft are so overrated. Yeah. I mean, we just had two pick two quarterbacks who six years ago, they were one A and one B. Take your pick, Jameis Winston and, and, and you know, whoever Mariota. you took. Marcus in, in that Marcus Mariota, James Winston, whoever you took, it's like, you can't go wrong. It, right. it was really kind of a character <laughs> call more than anything. Right. And yet here we are six years later, neither one of them's with their original team. Both of them moved on and let's face it. The Bucks got lucky. Tom Brady was out there. Nobody right. else wanted him. Right. Tampa took the chance and lo and behold, Tom Brady still had something in the tank. So, um, and the other you know, thing is that that just proves it all right there. You put all that because and let's and here's the other thing. Jameis Winston was as good a quarterback statistically as anybody the Bucs have had 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 in the previous 10 years. Right. So he he outplayed almost every quarterback before him uh, before, you know, leading up, leading going back to Brad Johnson. Uh, and it still wasn't good enough. And, you know, so, so really the bar is just so exceptionally high that it's almost impossible to achieve uh, success in that scenario. And here's and the, the crazy other thing, thing, though, the crazy thing, too, though, I'm sorry, is that 
if it hadn't been Tom Brady, I think it would have been Teddy Bridgewater in Tampa. And we saw Bridgewater kind of flame out with Carolina, right. but look good in spurts with the Saints. Right. So Jameis, you know, he, it was strike two. I mean, he would have been the third third choice right. if he would have tried to stay with the Bucks. But my Bridgewater example is I don't care if you're a rookie. I don't care if you're Teddy Bridgewater. Man, you, it's hard to bet on quarterbacks. You just never know what you're going to get. And the other so thing good. is, even if the even if the quarterback's semi ready to go, and you think he's ready, most of the time, a place like Jacksonville is the offensive line ready, is the skill people around him ready to be to help him be ready. That's the other part of the equation that gets overlooked a lot of times. The QB might be ready, but the offensive line, the David Carr situation, he got killed in Houston because their offensive line was horrific. Well, here's the thing, Jason, that's a great point. And which leads us to, I know something we're going to talk about in Jameis Winston, and I know Roy will agree with this too, is when Jameis Winston was the quarterback of the Bucks, they didn't have the same running game Tom Brady had. They didn't have the depth at wide receiver. And frankly, Tom Brady made that O-line better because he gets rid of the ball faster. Right. It'll be interesting to see if Jameis Winston's a starter in New Orleans. There's a better offensive line in New Orleans and Tampa. There's arguably a better running game with Alvin Kamara, and you have Michael Thomas, a wide receiver. You didn't have a lot of that when Jameis Winston was the starting quarterback of the Bucs. So it's very interesting this year on a lot of fronts on what's going to happen in the NFC South. Well, let's get right to it. In New Orleans, your neck of the woods, you got Jameis and Taysom Hill. Sean Payton has been hyping up Taysom Hill as a, as a full-time player for three or four, two or three years now that he's the heir apparent. And they brought in Jameis on a, on a friendly contract. This is going to be a training camp battle. Does Peyton go with Taysom Hill 100% of the time? Or is he going to, or is he going to kind of use him as the gadget guys he's been using? What are your thoughts on how that works out? Well, the smart money, my friend, says Jameis Winston, obviously. He has the, uh, you know, he's the repetitions, and he has the background of being a starter. He has the tenure of being a starting quarterback in the NFL. But I'm telling you guys, don't discount Taysom Hill, even though – Almost everybody in New Orleans has. I know former players, come on, this guy can't be the answer for an entire season. I'll tell you where he'll be the answer is if Jameis Winston reverts to being the Jameis Winston throwing a lot of picks because Sean Payton will not tolerate that. If Jameis Winston is a changed man, though, he has the opportunity of a lifetime. lifetime. Now, now think about this. All the bad decisions Jameis Winston has made in his career on and off the field, the best move he ever made, take the pay cut, take a year off basically yep. and learn under Sean Payton and learn under Drew Brees. And if he took that time and Drew Brees and Sean Payton have his back as much as anybody, and he can win that job and go back and play the defending Super Bowl champs who, Oh, by the way, a team he used to play for and put everything into him. Is there a better opportunity to me? Obviously Jameis Winston is the favorite, but if he makes the mistakes Sean Payton will not hesitate to put Taysom Hill in there. My last point is, if Jameis can win the job, how much fun will it be for him to have that Taysom Hill Swiss Army knife right. in his arsenal, along with Alvin Kamara, along with Michael Thomas, and along with that great O-line? And, Roy, you, you're, you're well-versed in the Jameis Winston journey here in Tampa. Just your thoughts on Jameis's mentality, having gone through what he got, went through here in Tampa had the year kind of as a backup in New Orleans. How do you think James is going to handle the expectations? Because there's expectations that this is, could be his one big shot for a big payday. What do you, how do you think James is going to handle that? I think he's going to be more prepared than he ever has been for the start of the season, to be honest. He's matured in a lot of ways, uh, both on and off the field. I mean, he's a guy who, who obviously uh, has, 
has uh, figured out some things uh, that he needed to figure out a long time ago. You know, that's another thing going back to the, the issue with young quarterbacks. They're so young. There's so much to be learned in this league before you really are ready to, to succeed in this league. And, uh, you know, I think he's finally learned a lot of those lessons. The real key, though, as Mike alluded to, is can he keep the ball in, the, in his own players' hands, not turn it over? Uh, it's always been one of his issues, and uh, he's got to take care of that. He's really got to be better at that. And if he is, and, and, and we don't know if he will be. I mean, you would hope that a year under Sean Payton and uh, uh, spending some time with Drew Brees and uh, knowing that, you know, this is really his last shot at, uh, at success. Um, look, he's driven by that kind of thing. That's the kind of thing that drives him. Uh, that will fuel him. Uh, I, th- I think we're going to see the best uh, uh, Jameis Winston that there is on the field. Um, he's still going to – look, he's always going to be a gunslinger. He's going to throw the ball away to the other team. Um, there's got to be a certain number, though. I mean, uh, how often do you let it happen? Um, and and when, do you, when do you start to dial it down? That's what he's got to learn. Uh, you know, he never – he seldom, if ever, played from ahead with Tampa Bay. True. He's with a team now where he can be accustomed, where he can get used to playing from ahead instead of from behind. He's used to having to go out there and be the guy because there wasn't much else around him. Yeah, he had some receivers – but as Mike said, didn't have much of a running game, didn't have a defense that could hold on to a lead. Um, you know, so I, it's a completely different scenario for him. I think he benefits from it in a lot of ways. Again, he's going to throw interceptions. He's going to throw 15 to 20. Uh, it's who he is. He's a gunslinger. Gunslingers, uh, you know, sometimes hurt you, but he also makes incredibly big plays. And I think that's what uh, the Saints are going to love about him is he's going to make some big plays and, uh, and put him in the winning column a lot. How do you, Here's the how, thing, Mike, too. Go ahead, James, Mike. Jameis Winston may give the Saints something if he can avoid the turnovers, something Drew Brees couldn't do the last couple of years to throw the ball downfield. Right. And if you could do that with regularity, hate to say this, guys, because uh, you know Drew Brees did so much for the Saints, but this offense could be better without Drew Brees the last two years of Drew Brees if Jameis Winston could do all. All we know Jameis Winston can do from an ability standpoint. And boy, if that's the case, Look that's out. really going to make things interesting because we could talk about it, but the Saints defense is very vulnerable. They're going to need that offense to score some points and really lead the way a little bit this season. I want to get your thoughts on the, the whole vaccination issue heading into training camp because I think this is going to be a big topic through training camp. Obviously, the, team, the NFL wants teams to be at 85%. If you're 85 and above, you don't have to have nearly as many protocols as if you don't. And there's lots of teams in the league that are that are not there as far as the, the threshold. How do you think general managers and decision makers are going to take this? I think what's going to happen is like we're talking about the unknown guys. I think there's going to be some situations where guys get cut. It'll never be made public. If there's an even battle between two guys, guys are going to get cut if they're not vaccinated, in my opinion, if it's a close battle. I think the head coaches eventually want as their guys vaccinated and as back to normal as possible. How do you think the whole vaccination issue is going to play out during training camp, Roy? Yeah, I, it's going to be. You're right. It's going to be very interesting. I mean, you're even in, here in the NFL. There's some 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 chatter out there about the NFL possibly exposing the names of the players who aren't vaccinated. Um, I don't know if that's going to happen. I don't think right. it will ultimately. But um, clearly, general managers and coaches and even team captains are going to huddle together and say, look, guys, you know, we're all in this together. Uh, I think there's going to be, I wouldn't say pressure, but certainly a lot of coercing. Uh, of, if somebody is a, is a named player, or a very important piece of the puzzle, 
who isn't going to get vaccinated. I, th I think they're going to want to, because again, you want to have this as normal as possible. You just went through a very abnormal season, right? And some teams probably didn't uh, succeed as much as they could have as a result of it. So you're going to want things to be as normal as possible. The best way to do that, do that is to get more people vaccinated. You know, look, I'm fully vaxxed, uh, proud to say it. And uh, I, I think, you know, maybe we're starting to turn a corner on this uh, socially and throughout the country. Um, just maybe in the last 24, 48 hours, where you see some of the people who have been, you know, so outspoken against it, suddenly coming around and saying, oh, by the way, maybe this is the best thing to do. So maybe this changes the narrative a little bit. But I think ultimately, uh, I'll be surprised if you don't see most teams with that 85% threshold, because if you don't have it, it puts you at a disadvantage. Major League. Mike? I know this isn't Fox News or MSNBC, and I don't want to get too political. No. But yeah, if you look at the vaccination numbers, I'm fully vaccinated. Uh, really, it makes sense. And I'll say this about the NFL. I've been as big a critic of Roger Goodell as there is out there with the bounty gate and the stuff he did to Brady in New England and all the penalties that are all over the place. But boy, did any league get it right? during these crazy times more than the NFL, right. the way they went through the off season without missing a beat, whether it was the draft, no one went to cut back, but also no one went to make it work. I'm still shocked guys that we had a season last year. How do we have an NFL season? How do we have a college football season? I'm amazed. I know we had a lot of players opting out, but with the incentives they're given for vaccinated players, everything they're putting into place, I don't know how you don't get vaccinated, but it is their right. I, I agree, Jason. I think it will be a storyline throughout training camp, just like last year. I remember being in Detroit the night before the Saints played the Lions. It looked like it was a positive test for the Saints. It was a false positive. It was business as usual, but every week it was pins and needles. We're going to have some of that this year as well. But kudos to the NFL, though, for getting it right, knowing when to push, knowing when to pull, and having a complete season that really, guys, didn't miss a beat. I know they had to switch around some games, but, man, I'm still amazed they had a season last year. Really, Did, They didn't miss one game. They played all – every game. Yep, it's crazy. Um, you know, all right, let's get to some on-field – give me a couple – give me a team or two, Mike, that you like that's kind of maybe come out of nowhere. Every year, three or four new teams make the playoffs in each conference. Give me a team or two that you like that might come from a 7-9, and 6-10 type team to maybe a wild card or division winner. Well, I'm not going to say the Dallas Cowboys because I'm tired of the Cowboys. <laughs> Enough already. The Cowboys aren't very good, especially on defense. So it's not the Cowboys. You know what, team? I'm going to kind of pick a little bit because every time I think they're bad, they're good. The Atlanta Falcons. Okay. The Atlanta Falcons, to me, are a team that still has a very good quarterback. You know, they still have some good guys on skill positions, and their offensive line isn't bad. I think maybe – Maybe, just maybe, they could be a decent football team. But I tell you, a, a team that doesn't fall on your parameters that I can't wait to see are those L.A. Rams. Because with Matthew Stafford finally exiling from the Detroit Lions, putting him in there yep. is like, you know, Tom Brady in Tampa last year to a lesser degree. What they needed in Tampa was a good quarterback. They had everything else. The Rams have that. So I'll go Rams-Falcons, even though, you know, the only reason I'm kind of being a smart ass with the Falcons, because I want to say the Falcons are horrible. <laughs> and every time I say that, they're good. So I'm going the other way. <laughs> Atlanta new head coach Arthur Smith comes over from Tennessee. No Julio Jones. And a yeah. huge blow to the Rams today. Cam Akers tears his Achilles tendon yeah. today in a, pre, in a workout. So huge loss for them at running back. Roy? 
you know, I think the easy answer for me is the San Francisco 49ers. I mean, let's face it. They were the best team in football two years ago. Uh, fell a little bit, uh, you know, off the off to the side of the road this past season. And and now I think they're they're right back where they want to be. Um, I, I really like what they're doing there. Um, so I would say San Francisco. I think that's kind of an easy answer. Um, so to be a little bit more uh, in line with the question. Yeah. Watch out for the for the Giants, the New York yeah. football Giants. I don't know that they've made too many mistakes here over the course of the last couple of years. Uh, they haven't necessarily, you know, hit on all cylinders, but I like what they're doing. I like yeah. the way they're building the team and I like their head coach. I, I think they've got something going there and in a division that is clearly up for grabs. Really, I mean, that division could go to anybody who could just be competent for 12 or 14 weeks. <laughs> you don't have to be, you know, exceptional for 17 weeks. You just got to be competent for about 12 or 14 and if, win and win nine or 10 games. I think the giants can do that. And then I think if you get them in the playoffs, watch out. If Daniel Jones, he doesn't have to be great. If he can just progress to be above average, that that's I, I'm with you. I like Joe judge Saquon Barkley's knee issues kind of yeah. undetermined yet, but he'll play at some point during the year, but I'm with you. I think the giants are doing a good job for sure. All right. I want to ask you a kind of a media question covering a team. How much better is it for you guys when you're covering teams that are good as opposed to covering teams that are bad? How does, how does that affect your, you know, your ability to get information, your ability to just interact with the guys on a daily basis when you know the team's got expectations and they're doing well, as opposed to the six and 10, five and 11 kind of, kind of team. Roy. It's so much easier when the team is winning because everybody's, happy they're willing to talk they want to be you know they want to be interviewed it's it's like they're not avoiding the media because we're not you know we're not asking about the the mistake they made last week or the fact that they haven't uh, caught a pass in uh, in three weeks or that they're you know averaging uh, 2.7 yards per carry over the past month um you know haven't had an interception thrown too many interceptions uh it's just a lot easier when a team wins especially in the nfl uh, and just, you know, from your own personal, you know, standpoint, you don't want to write negative stories all the time. I mean, we didn't get into this to, to, to bash guys and say that, you know, they're not worthy of their position and things like that. I mean, I think we all got into sports, uh, covering sports because we were sports fans and we looked up to the players and, you know, wanted to somehow be a part of that from some standpoint. And, um, yeah, you know, you, you want the team to succeed when, when the team succeeds, more people are reading your stuff. True. Uh, you become more relevant. So, you know, there is a, a personal gain from it. Uh, doesn't mean I ever rooted for the teams that I covered. Um, but yeah, I mean, ultimately, you'd rather see them win than lose. Um, although I, I can tell you this, uh, you know, three quarters of the way through a football game, hockey game, baseball game, whatever it may be. If you got an idea for a story, you got a lead and you're, you know, three, four paragraphs uh, uh, into it, at least in your head. You're, you're pulling for that outcome, whatever it may be. But at the, at the end of the day, it's, um, it's much better to cover a winning team. And Mike, you're in one of the best cities in the country to cover a, a winning team. New Orleans is an unbelievable place to party and have a good time. How cool is it to be in that city when the team's winning? Oh, it's everything. I mean, unlike Tampa Bay Area, the Saints are the big dog, and they always have been, even though they weren't good for so many years before Sean Payton and Drew Brees came to town. And to kind of piggyback what Roy said, here's another tough thing about covering a losing team. It's like covering a team when they lose a game. 
Well, that locker room empties out very quickly. You don't have a lot of options. You have the guys on the podium and not much more after that. The same during the week on a little losing season, the guys will uh, eat lunch maybe by the shower so they don't have to talk to the media geeks and answer question after question after question. But conversely, I'll say this to young reporters, though. It's the best test of a reporter to cover a losing team for a number of weeks you got to come up with new angles. You got to come up with ways to ask questions. You got to change it up because if you're going to ask the same stuff every week, it's going to get worse because they're tired of hearing the same stuff. They don't care that it's not our fault. They're going to blame us because, oh, great, the same stuff every week. You got to change up the way you cover a team. And frankly, when you cover a loser, it's uh, a challenge as a reporter. But if you can make it work, it not only uh, makes you a better reporter, but it makes you appreciate the good times as well. All right, quick answer here. We're running out of time. Quick answer. Aaron Rodgers, week one in Green Bay? No. We're playing the Saints, so I say yes. Okay. I say no. I say no. All right. Best restaurant to eat in a a road city. What's the best place to go? Pick a city Uh, when you're on the road. What's your favorite restaurant when you're in another city? Covering the team. of Chicago in Chicago, Illinois. Okay. I love San Francisco. I, I, I can't say New Orleans. That's too easy for me, but I'll say San Francisco. No doubt about it. Awesome. All right. Give me, give me a Super Bowl p- prediction. We'll put in pencil. We, we'll be able to erase it. Not going to hold you to it. Put in pencil in, in mid-July. Rams, Chiefs, uh, they, they protect Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs win. Chiefs 49ers. Wow. 49ers win. Wow. All right. Now, are you a believer in Trey Lance or Jimmy Garoppolo? Jimmy Garoppolo. Okay. He had him on the brink. And that's another, that's another one that we were talking about. Do you play the young guy? Do you, the Jimmy G Trey Lance situation, that's going to be very interesting to see how that plays out with one Kyle Shanahan. All right. Last thing I'm going to let you each promote, talk about where we can find your work, Mike, and all the good stuff you're doing. Well, I'm working on a lot of projects. So my, my company's neighbors media group, and we have the Aaron series where if you go on YouTube, hit Aaron's, and my name, we run errands with sports celebrities. We have them pick a couple errands, have great conversations in between. We just signed a two-year extension with the New Orleans Saints. Awesome. We're going to awesome. produce 12 more episodes. We've already done 15. I have a book coming out on Drew Brees called nice. The Brees Way. And if you can uh, be a football fan, or if you're a football fan or not a football fan, you'll enjoy this book. It's a lot of off-the-field stuff, great stories about his family life and his life between the lines. So working on a few big projects. And before I get to you, Roy, it's, it's unbelievable to think of the turn of events. If Drew Brees doesn't get failed in Miami with the physical, he doesn't go to New Orleans. Nick Saban probably doesn't go to Alabama. And all of the, the history of football in the last 10 or 15 years changes dramatically if that one move doesn't happen. I'll say this, though. I don't know if he would have been the same quarterback under Nick Saban that he was with Sean Payton. He would have been a great quarterback, but I'm not sure he could have been taken to a Hall of Fame level like Sean Payton did. Just I agree, but just the, the, the landscape of how football Absolutely. has changed by that Absolutely. one decision. All right, Roy, where can I know Pewter Pirates talk about you, all your football stuff in the, coming up in the fall? Yeah, pewterpirates.com. We're, uh, we were dark last year a little bit. Uh, pandemic uh, hit us like uh, it hit a lot of people, and we weren't able to get as much uh, out there, but we're hoping to do it again this year and get it rolling again. And uh, You'll find a lot of unique content there, uh, you know, right along with Mike Neighbors. Uh, we do it together. And um, Mike, is uh, he knows as much about the Bucks as he does the Saints. And uh, together we, uh, we put together some, some really interesting graphics, uh, darn good podcast. 
a unique perspective. Uh, again, uh, look, there just aren't that many guys who have been around the league as long as Mike and I have right. seen as much as we have. Uh, we uh, we kind of, you know, we're going to tell you things that are going to happen to this football team before they happen. That's always been the job of a beat writer. Right. I've covered this team now for 22 years. Um, that's my job. It's always going to be my job. I'm going to tell you what's going to happen with the Buccaneers before it happens. You'll find it out on pewterpirates.com. Awesome, man. Well, I appreciate both your times. Great, great insight. Great work. Keep up the great work, both of you guys, and look forward to talking to you again real soon at some point during the football season. Thanks, Roy. Thanks, Mike. Have a great weekend. Thanks for having me, Jason. Thanks again for listening to the Powers on Sports podcast. Remember to subscribe, rate, and review on whatever podcast platform you are hearing us tonight. Remember, you can reach out to us on Twitter at jposports. So we'd love to hear your feedback, comments, suggestions for future episodes. And again, thanks for all the support. Remember to share the podcast with your friends and colleagues. And we'd love to see you back next time for the next episode of the Powers on Sports podcast. Have a great week.